0: What is God in the land? We need to pay attention to it. Yeah, we want more. We're supposed to be in this series that we started last week, sort of called For Better or Worse, on relationships and marriage and sex, and uh, how many of you were here last week? Okay, so many of you. We're a little bit light in attendance today, of course, we've got uh, a bunch of our uh, students away at winter retreat, as Pastor Bob mentioned, and then a, and leaders there, and he he mentioned there's about thirty kids or so from Seeds there, but there's about five other youth groups, and so there's anywhere but a, between 150 and 200 kids there probably, and they are just going after it. Um, these are these are kids who are hungry for a move of God in their life, not just to show up and have fun and play games. And so I'm so encouraged as we as we pray, I believe the Lord hears our prayers and he's going to start something in their hearts even this morning as they are worshiping the same time as we we're, we're worshiping um, there's some other like little preliminary things, but you know, like I said, we're supposed to be starting this series, and this is supposed to be part two today, but I just don't feel like that's appropriate. I feel like we just need to turn aside. you remember in exodus where Moses had, you know, he grew up in the in the Pharaoh's palace, and then he'd murdered that <clears throat> that Egyptian that was beating that slave to death, and he murdered that guy, and then he ran off into the wilderness and started a whole new life. And he was tending sheep and goats. And he comes across this bush that's on fire, but it's not being consumed. And he says, I must turn aside. I must give attention to this. What's, what God is doing right now in this season in the American church, we must turn aside and pay attention. Many of you probably know what I'm talking about. Some of you may have no idea what I'm talking about. You're like, wow, that sounds really good. But where's all this coming from? And, and um Man, what 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 ignited at Asbury University two Wednesdays ago? It's just like 10, 11 days ago. But God's doing something. And, it, and how it has spread from there to other college campuses and other prayer rooms. Um, and some people might think, well, man, this just kind of popped up overnight, but it didn't. The seeds of prayer, the seeds of intercessors... In this nation and those around the world that have been praying for the American church, it's been going on for decades and even centuries. And we're seeing, we're seeing a glimpse of it here in this moment that, that we're in right now. And that we get to be a part of this. And so we have an opportunity. We can say we can either lean into this or we can, we can turn aside and bring attention to the burning bush. Or we can just keep doing our thing because we have responsibilities and we're going to herd the goats and the sheep and we got to make sure and take care of these things. And these are real, real things that have to be taken care of. Yeah, they are. But when God's doing something, when there's a burning bush that's not being consumed, let's turn aside. You guys, I, I mean, I have all this series, for better or for worse, all these notes laid out. And, and, it's, and I feel like, man, this just doesn't feel right. So God, what do I do? What do, I, what do we say this Sunday? You know, we dismissed, we, we, we get through talking about all these relationships and, and stuff last week. And I just said, all of this is good, you guys. All of this wisdom is good. All of these notes are good. We need it. And we do. But without the presence of God, what does any of it mean? So I said, I didn't, you guys remember, most of you were here. I don't know how to end this service except just crying out to God and saying, God, you come where you're wanted, so we want you. And I love Helen, you just darted out of your seat out here. And then we just started praying, and I'm closing my eyes, and I've got my back turned to you, and I'm weeping before the Lord, and, and 15 minutes goes by before the first time I open my eyes, and the room is still full of people. And some of you have gone to get your children, and you've brought them back in here to tarry at the altar with us. And we turned the, the church service into an hour and 20-minute long prayer meeting after we dismissed. With, with, with first-time guests staying around for an hour. And if they had left, that's fine too. That's okay. Okay. But the presence of God was here and was thick, and we turned aside. And I don't want to just go, well, wasn't that a nice Sunday? Remember that? Let's get back on our series. Let's get back to the, the little thing that we were doing. And that's great. The little thing we were doing was great. And we, we'll eventually get back there when the time is right. But now let's turn aside. There's no, there's no slides. There's no scriptures up on the screen today. There's no cute video. I don't know. I don't have a plan of what's supposed to happen today. I jotted some things down that, that felt right, but I, I didn't write out detailed notes for today because I just felt like, what do I, I don't know. I don't know. Would you guys do this with me though? Open in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter seven and then stand up with me after you found it. And again, Normally, we have all this stuff for you to follow along on the screen, but we don't today. But once you found 2 Chronicles 7, stand up with me, and we're going to read God's Word together. And I'm just going to share some thoughts with you. And then we're just going to see what the Holy Spirit does. I don't know. So I don't know what version you have, but I, I think I'm reading today from the New Living Translation and... So you can just follow along the best that you can quietly as I read aloud. And I'm going to start in verse 11. And I think I'm going to end with verse 16. 2 Chronicles 7, verse 11. So Solomon finished the temple of the Lord as well as the royal palace. He completed everything he had planned to do in the construction of the temple and the palace. Then one night the Lord appeared to Solomon and said... I have heard your prayer and have chosen this temple as the place for making sacrifices. Hmm. How many of you know that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit now? It's not a building, it's the people of God. And how many of you know that the Lord spoke to us this year and said, Every home and altar. I've heard your prayer and have chosen this temple. Is the place for making sacrifices. That's what altars are for, right? Altars are for, make, for making sacrifices. At times, I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls, or command grasshoppers to devour your crops, or send plagues among you. Verse 14. Then, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. And I know that many of us, we could probably quote that scripture uh, frontwards and backwards, but because we're so familiar with it, let's not just breeze right over it. Let's read it again. If my people that's us, who are called by my name, if they'll humble themselves, if they'll pray if they'll seek my face, if they'll turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins. I will restore their land. And the Lord goes on and he says, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. Thank you, God. Every word heard. For I have chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. told you guys on Sunday last week, I feel bad for my wife. She wasn't here. (laughs) She was doing some ministry out of state. And I'm sure that was great, but it wasn't as good as it was here. I can tell you that because it was awesome (laughs) here. (laughs) Told you last week, guys, I was going to drive up, Jamie and I were going to drive up to Asbury. We did on Monday. We got in the car. And if you how many of you just show a hands, you've heard what's been going on there, okay? So a great majority of us, some of us may not. When I heard probably a day or two after what had been going on, it started showing up in my social media feed, man, I was like, man, that's awesome. that's exciting. I'm so excited for them. But the predominant thought that stood out to me, and I told you guys this last week, the predominant thought that stood out to me is, God, why there and not here? And then I knew the answer. I know why it's happening there. They're hungry. They're hungry. God comes where he's wanted. You're going to hear me say that a lot. Not just today. You're going to hear me say that a lot maybe for the rest of my life, because it's something that I've known here, but there's a revelation of it that's connecting from here to here. Like, maybe I haven't seen in a long time. How did this whole thing start at Asbury? For those of you that don't know what's going on, uh, there's been 24-7 at Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky, just outside of Lexington. There's been 24-7 prayer and worship and um, ministry that's been happening. And it's been spontaneous. It's not been planned. It wasn't on the calendar. And it makes me think about places, the houses of prayer that we have around the nation, uh, like the one in Kansas City. International House of Prayer, not Pancakes, International House of Prayer. And they've been doing 24 7 prayer for over 20 years. And there's been moments of time where the Lord's brought like public attention to that. But really, it's kind of been a a secret place. There's been moments, there's been things that God has done, and a lot of people in our circles of, um, of, 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 You know, in the American church and around the world, our circles of our expression of faith—we are that—that's on our radar. But really, people just go to the prayer room in IHOP just to spend time in the presence of God and to just pour their heart out in prayer and to just stop and listen to hear what He has to say. You you can say it's a it's a center for revival, but really, it's a center for the secret place, just between like the people of God and Him. And so what's happening in, in Asbury is good and it's unique, but I think about the seeds of prayer that have been, been going on for day and night, night and day, just like we sang about in that song. The scriptures tell us that our, that like our prayers are like incense before the Lord that, that should be burning day and night, night and day, and he receives it as a sweet-smelling aroma. He smells it, and he likes it. He likes our prayers. And as we're singing that song, day and night, night and day, let incense arise, I always think of that scripture as it relates to our prayers, but I also started today also connecting the dots between our hearts burning for him. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. Let my heart burn for you, God. Let my heart burning for you be like incense arising from from these these coals and these these precious ingredients that have been put together that as we light them and as they they smolder the smoke comes up and oh it smells good to the Lord smells good to the Lord when your heart burns for him I have to remember where I was before I got off on that because I don't have good notes. So I think about what's going on in Lexington Wilmore. 24-7 prayer and worship and ministry happening. And it had been going on for a couple days. It shows up in my social media feed. I'm excited. I'm saying, God, why they're not here? I know it's because they're hungry. I want to taste and see this thing for myself. Not from a skeptical point of view, but from a point of view of like, it's only a a three-and-a-half-hour drive. Why would we not get in the car and just go see? Not as a spectator, but as a participator. So Jamie and I get in the car on Monday morning, and we drive up there. And I have already knew that, like, I've, I've got some friends that are going to be there. I had a friend of mine who pastors a church in Florence, Alabama. He left even earlier than we did on Monday morning, and he drove up, and he was there. And I knew there were some other people that we might have seen there, but I wasn't there to go hang out with them. So Jamie and I, we get into, we walk up into the foyer of this um, this auditorium, this this building. It's called Hughes Chapel, and I don't know how old it is, but it's got the 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 classic like reformed church look of like the the eighteen hundreds, you know. And and so, but it but also still looks like that today. So there's no fancy lights smoke machines, there's no video screens, there's no like high-end PA system, there's like hard wooden chairs, Uh, all the house lights are on, there's light pouring in from the windows, there's nothing like, um, you know, particularly like, oh man, the atmosphere here is cool, like just the the ambiance. No, it's just an old, reformed chapel auditorium. We get into the foyer and there's this lady. This seems like an interesting detail, but this lady sitting standing behind like a six foot table, and on the table are, are like bottles of water and granola bars and mints and you know packages of raisins or whatever's there. And she goes, "Welcome. Is this your first time here?" And I'm like, "Well, this thing just started Wednesday. Yeah." <laughs> Yeah, it's my our first time here. Oh, good. Where are you from? I said we're well, we're from the Nashville area. Oh, there's a lot of people here coming up from there. So, well, yeah, it's 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 only three and a half hours for us. It's easy for us to get here. And there's hungry people in Middle Tennessee. Amen. And uh, I said, quick question: Like, who's providing like these these snacks? Is it the university? Because like. You'd think like 24-7 prayer movement, like everybody's praying and worshiping God. But you need a bottle of water from time to time and maybe a little snack to keep going. So I think it's great. There was a snack table at the prayer meeting. But I was just like, who's providing this? And she goes, I don't know. Uh, Just people are showing up with it. They're just bringing stuff. And it's like such a little minor detail. But it's just like when the Spirit of God is doing things, Uh, you don't have to worry about those things. They take care of themselves. And people will move on the hearts of people to do what needs to be done. And I said, asked this lady, I said, are you with the university? She goes, oh, no, I'm from, like, Illinois. (laughs) I was like, and you're standing here behind the table? She goes, yeah, I'm just serving people. I said, anybody ask you to do that? No, no, nobody asked me to do it. And she says, come on in. She goes, what's happening in here? It's just, you know, it's just like there's this reverent worship, and it's a, a peaceful, and I said, all right, thank you. So I go, and I stand at the, the back of the auditorium just where the doorway is because I, it's so full, and, it, and I'm just like they're, they're singing some worship song. I can't recall what it is, but it's something we sing here, but it's just like two or three vocalists on, on stage on a piano and maybe an acoustic guitar. It's really low production, but the entire room is going after Jesus. I was like, wow, I've got to capture this. I pull up my phone, and I film just for a few minutes. Jamie, after we, get, after, after we left the snack table, she went one way. I went another way. We're just trying to figure out what's going on here, and I get a text message from my buddy from Alabama. He's like, hey, come over here to the right hand side in this section. We've got a few extra seats. You guys can sit with us. It's like, okay, cool. So I, I kind of push past my way through a few people into the aisle and I start going down. And I look over and I see my friend Bobby. And he looks at me and waves is like, Hey buddy, that's great. But I'm going to the altar. <laughs> that's why I'm here. I like I love you, but I'm not here for you. I'm here to meet with the Lord and see what he's doing. So I come. I just go. I beeline straight down to the front of the stage, and they have like the old school kneeling bench and rail. And I and I and I just get before the Lord on my knees. And I just cry out like we did on Sunday. God, you come where you where you're wanted. We want you. I want you. And I'm just praying, and the worship is continuing. And I'm not the only one down there. There's you know, 25 other people down front. And then the, the worship song comes to a close, and they start begin to transition, and they, they said, all right, we're going to have some time for some testimonies. And here's what we're going to do. If you have a testimony that you want to share, then I want you to line up on either side of the stage. Just down, They're not coming up on the stage. They're just staying below the stage. And so you've got a person over here with a microphone and a person over here for a microphone, and they just start alternating testimonies. People are just sharing about what God's doing. And this one girl shares a testimony, and she says, I drove here from out of state a few hours away. I don't know if it was Ohio or Indiana or Illinois. Five hours away. And this has been really good. The presence of God is here but there's not been like a specific thing I felt like a download from the Lord. And, I, and it's time for me to go. Like I need to get back home. I've got responsibilities to take care of and, and to see to. And so I was like, God, I don't know why you asked me to come here. I felt really drawn like you did call me here. But I just don't feel like I've got whatever it is that you needed from, for me. So I'm, I'm leaving. So she's getting ready to walk out of the auditorium. And she looks over on the side wall. And there's this lady standing on the on the wall. She feels very drawn to, so she's just paying attention to that. So she turns aside, and she goes over to this lady and says, hey, um, I, I feel like we're supposed to pray together. And the lady's like, okay, cool, let's do it. So they're getting ready to pray, and then a mom and a daughter are walking down this outside aisle and come to them and say, will you pray with us? My daughter has this... Uh, Very rare disease or infection or something's wrong with her. It's very rare, and we we want you to pray with us. And so the lady that was standing on the wall, she said, yes, we will pray with you. I'm familiar with what you're talking about. That is a very rare condition, and I'm a doctor that actually specializes in the treatment of that. So the the four of them pray together, and then from that moment, the the doctors connected with the mom and the daughter, and they start talking about, like, uh, they begin developing this relationship so they can talk about treatment. And the girl that came that was getting ready to leave, she realized, God, I just came, I guess, to see that you still move today. You, like, if for nothing else, God, I came here, and you connected me with this divine appointment over here on this outside aisle that nobody else saw, that no one else was getting of attention to. The spotlight was not on this, but I was there just to see, God, you're still moving, you're working today, and you're still connect. you're doing things. And so she got up from, and gave that testimony, and then she's like, all right, I'm out, because <laughs> she had to go, and that was fine. Then I heard from another testimony of a gentleman in his 70s. And he says, I used to attend Asbury University 48 years ago. And when I left this place, I also left the Lord. And I've been a prodigal for 48 years. And when I heard what God was doing in this auditorium, in this place, I knew I had to get back here to get right with God. And 48 years of living a prodigal life, he comes back to the Lord, and he's giving testimony. And so we're seeing repentance. We're seeing God make divine connections and show himself to be faithful to those who are wondering, of like, God, what, what are you doing here? Why did you bring me here? You're seeing people crying out to God for Repentance. Then there's another young man that got up, and you may have seen this video because it's gone viral. But he's standing over here, and I'm probably sitting over here, over here, where Lee and Holly are, about that far away. And this guy gets up, he goes, Hey, I'm, I'm, me and my buddies came in from, we drove in from Michigan through the night, and we'd heard what was going on here, and we'd heard, you know, we're in a school of ministry in Michigan, and they, we hear all these stories about revival and God doing things on college campuses around the nation, and we're just like, God, we want to see that for ourselves. Like, how do we get that here and and um, in our experience? We just want to lay our own eyes on it and be part of it ourselves, firsthand experience. We're tired of secondhand stories. We're jealous for firsthand experience. And, and 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 so we ask the ask the leaders of the school, like, how do we do that? And they they lock us in a prayer room and they say, you got to ask for it, you know. And, and, and so they're, they're building this muscle of persistent prayer before the Lord, asking God to do something. So that's been their experience, and they hear about what's happening at Asbury, and one of the guys says, hey, if Jesus came and he enthroned himself in a room, why would we not get in the car and just drive six and a half hours to just be there? And it was like the light bulb came on. They're like, let's go. So eleven o'clock at night, they pile in the car. The, the, these three young men, three college age guys, and they drive from Michigan to to Asbury, and they get there about six o'clock in the morning. And it's very quiet. There's not like a lot going on in the room at that moment. They go up, they walk up in the balcony. There's like there's people there, people sleeping in the presence of God in the, in the balcony, and the and the guys like, okay, well, Lord, is this revival? Because this seems interesting and. It's, and he says, then it was some time had passed. I don't know if it was a couple hours or whatever. And it was time for the scheduled chapel service to start. And there's still, there's still prayer and there's still worship going on, but it's just very subdued. But as the, the chapel began to fill back up, 8 o'clock in the morning or whatever time it was, the, like, there, the room became electric. Not hypey but electric with faith, with electric with anticipation, electric to say, God, we're here to meet with you. And then, and then the, you know, there's another wave of prayer and worship and ministry happening. And this young man's getting super excited and he's saying, God, you're, I'm seeing it. I'm so excited. I'm seeing this for my own eyes. I'm experiencing it for myself. It's not just secondhand information. I'm, I'm, I'm getting to, to witness this. And he's so excited, and he's like, and this isn't just for Asbury. This is for the nation, and this is for the nations. And everybody's rejoicing and excited, and I was like, I know where this guy's from. So he goes and sits back down, and I get up from my seat. There's a, there's a testimony going over here, and I just quietly get up and crouch over to where he's sitting. I said, where are you guys from? He goes, well, we're from this ministry school called Ray. And I was like, Radiant School of Ministry, which is the network of churches that we're a part of. And he's like, Yeah, you know, Radiant? I'm like, Yeah, we, we are a part of you guys. We're part, like, we're the part of the same tribe. And so it was cool. And after the testimonies were over, um, they said, All right, now we're going to move into a time of corporate prayer. And so they said, We want you to divide up in groups of like four or five, whatever. And we're going to pray for Gen Z, and we're going to pray that the God would uh, do a work in their lives and that they would not be slave to anxiety and depression. And then there were like two other prayer points, and they were all praying for Gen Z. And it was interesting, the the campus pastor that came up and led that moment, he he spoke for about 20 minutes before he dismissed us into corporate prayer. And he did open the the word, and he did preach. uh, I shouldn't say he preached. He opened the word and read from a couple of different passages to to encourage. It wasn't a sermon, it was an encouragement. And he also kind of just gave a little bit of testimony to just say, Hey, if you're new, if you're new and you just came in within the last few hours, we want to just share with you how this whole thing started. And here's how it started. They had a regular excuse me, a, a regular scheduled chapel service on a Wednesday morning. 10 a.m. Had a little bit of worship, had some teaching and a little bit of worship. It wasn't anything flashy. There wasn't like, it wasn't Carrie Job on the stage leading worship with Cody Carnes. It wasn't uh, Stephen Furtick preaching the message. And it, it wasn't, you know, um, you know, Rick Pino doing the altar call. Some of you are like, I don't know any of those names that you just said. That's okay. It's fine. They're Christian celebrities. And The service dismissed and one or two students came down to the altar and they're just continuing to pray before the Lord. Now, I was curious this week to find out what was preached on that, you know, what was the catalyst? must have been a powerful message. I went and I found the video of that, that Wednesday morning prayer or that Wednesday morning chapel teaching. And it was just one of the campus pastors, he's on staff there at Asbury, and he like oversees missions or something. He's just a regular guy, not a dynamic speaker, but he's preaching from Romans chapter 12, and he's and he's preaching about the love of God and not being conformed to this world. And, and it sounded like they had been in a series of talks on this subject matter. And so he primarily just talks about the love of God, like allowing the love of God to be shed abroad in their hearts, and then now allowing the love of God not just to flow to them but through them, to other people. And it wasn't some dynamic, like, there wasn't some rousing altar call and, man, that guy's a good speaker. It wasn't that way at all. As a matter of fact, when I watched it on YouTube, I had to speed, speed up the playback to, like, one-and-a-half times speed so that I wouldn't, so I wasn't, wouldn't be bored, he was just talking really slow and da 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 da, da and I'm like, I, I'm, this is great, good content, but I'm going to fall asleep listening to this guy. So speed it up so I can just, my brain can stay engaged. And so after he's done, these you got these couple of Asbury students down here at the altar, and they're just praying before the Lord in repentance and crying out for God to pour his love out in their world, the world that they live in. And students start getting dismissed and going to classes. And then a handful of students get to their classes, but they're stirred by the Holy Spirit. There's a draw from the Holy Spirit. And several of these students, they get to their classes and they say to their professor, hey, like, we're not trying to like skip class or anything, but we really feel a strong... Draw to go back to Hughes Chapel, Hughes Auditorium, and just pray. We don't know why, but we just feel this strong draw. And Asbury, being a Christian university, the professors were like, "Yeah, go, go." So about thirty or forty of them end up staying, and after the chapel service is dismissed, and you got thirty or forty college students that are crying out in repentance. Uh, for their generation, they're crying out for the love of God to be poured out on them. They're crying out for reconciliation and forgiveness. They're crying out for all the for God to move in these ways, and then it just snowballs. There's nothing else. There was no other magic ingredient. There was like, all right, now tell me what's the secret sauce that you put in there? What's that unlabeled bottle that you shook into that? No, there wasn't any of that. It was just literal. Hunger and thirst for righteousness, persistent prayer, repentance, humility, all these things that we just read about in 2 Chronicles 7. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear them from heaven and heal their land. And that's just what we saw. It was that simple. And so Jamie, Jamie and I spent three and a half hours driving up there to only be able to spend three hours there before we drove another three and a half hours back. Because again, we had responsibilities. We had things that we had to attend to and get to. And and, and there's it's amazing some of the, the things that I have been seeing on I've been seeing online this week a lot of praise and a lot of like, look what God is doing, this is awesome he it's it's not just you know it's not just for there it's for everywhere but there's some skeptics out there and there's some critics out there and i just wanted to say to those people like before you get critical like come close and taste and see and smell and hear all all like experience what god is doing before you get critical when God's doing something special, it's not the time to get critical or skeptical. It's time to get hungry. Yeah. So the campus pastor gets done just kind of sharing the testimony of what God's done. And he's, he's being, they're just like, I say the word stewarding. They're stu- stewarding what's happening so well. And that's an okay word. But when, when you think of the word steward, it's like you are... You are given responsibility over, and that's that's true to a point, but it's not the fullness of the picture of what's going on there. Like if, if I have an estate and I give it to Jamie to steward, I means she's solely in control over over it. But that's not what's happening in this in this what's going on at Asbury, because the Holy Spirit's in control, and they are simply cooperating with what the Holy Spirit's doing. Not just stewarding and saying, well, it's our responsibility to do this, that, and the other. We've got to make sure this is over here and that's over here and this is all put together. It wasn't like that at all. It was more, instead of st- the word stewarding, I like the word cooperation. They were cooperating with the Spirit. And, and they were very careful to say, hey, this is not about anybody on a platform. This is not, we're not seeking out the our best worship teams to come out here and do a great set. This is just ordinary people. The young man that that gave this testimony from Michigan, he says, "I'm like the Lord spoke to me, he says, go down to the altar. He says, God, I don't want to go down to the altar. The Lord said, go to the altar. So he gets down to the altar, and the Lord said, look to your left. So he looked to his left, and he saw an older woman praying over a younger woman. And the Lord said, look to the right. And so he looked to the right, and he saw a younger man praying for an older man. And then the Lord said, look behind you. And he looked behind him, and the room is full with their hands raised, going after Jesus in the place of worship and prayer. And the Lord said, this is revival. Revival is not hype. It's ordinary people who just hunger. You guys, last year, last summer, May, June, we started talking about revival. God's been stirring this up. This didn't come out of the blue. This has been stirring in the hearts of the American church and in pockets of the American church for years and for decades. And and even last year, we, we preached this series. You guys remember it was Revival or We Die. We have to have a revival in the American church or the church as we know it is dead. We must be revived. And we preach from this passage, 2 2 Chronicles 7.14. Humble hearts, persistent prayer, holy hunger, radical repentance. And that's what we're seeing at, at Asbury. God comes where he's wanted. So Jesus, we want you. Just say it, Jesus, we want you. What was happening, I don't know if, if everybody knows this, but you're in a charismatic church right now. <laughs> and I know that looks different in some different places, you know, it looks a little different here than it does over there. And, but we, we believe in the full gospel, and we believe that the gifts of the Spirit are for today. And we believe that the Holy Spirit is not taking his hand off the church. And we believe that, that every, you know, every, if it's in here, we believe that it's for today. And so I think for us that have been in the charismatic church for any period of time, we may have gotten a picture a concept of what revival looks like. And when you get to Asbury and you see what's going on, what's like as a someone who's been a part of like charismatic church for decades, I walk into a room like that and I go, this is not charismatic. (laughs) Uh, And it has nothing to do again with like the production, you know, you know, LED screens or lights or a little bit of fog in the air or a really cool, you know, sound system with a, like a really good loop that the band is playing to, you know. That, it's none of that, but I'm just talking about even like how the gifts are manifesting in the room. It's not what I would label as a decades-long, you know, charismatic Christian. I would go, this is certainly not charismatic, but it is a, it, the Spirit of God is here. The Spirit of God is thick in this place. So I don't care if it's labeled charismatic. I don't care if it's labeled reformed. I don't care if it's labeled high church. I don't care if it's labeled liturgical. Who cares about the label? I want what's in the bottle. I don't care. There's this, you you go in there And and there's this holy reverence. It's very much like we experienced last Sunday. There's like this holy reverence. And there's this, this sense of the fear of the Lord. And there's this sense of we're magnifying Jesus in this place. God, we came here, but we didn't just come so that we could see what you could do for us. We came here just because you're inhabiting the praises of your people. And we just want to be in the same place that you are. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And so there's this holy reverence, but it's also full of joy at the same time. And when I say full of joy, I don't mean like people are hooping and hollering and running around the room and doing uh, Holy Ghost jumping jacks and swinging their, their you know jackets around. But it wasn't that but there was, it was, there was reverence and joy existing at the same time. It was so sweet. It was precious. It was amazing, and it was powerful. A lot of different adjectives. The, the campus pastor, before he dismissed this out into prayer groups, he said, and this kind of really goes along the same lines of the, the, what the young man Gage said. Gage said, He's, you know, revival's not hype. This is what he heard from the Lord revival's not hype. It's just ordinary people who are hungry. And the campus pastor said, We're not manufacturing any of this, we just came hungry. When we feel like the Holy Spirit is done with what's going on, we're, we'll be good. We'll be good, not because our, their hunger will have subsided, but we're just trying to operate and cooperate with what the Holy Spirit's doing, not conjure something up, not hype something up, not take something further than, it, than what the Lord wants it to go. And I just so appreciated that. And that's how it was last Sunday when we were here. We got to a point, about an hour and 20, sometime after one o'clock, and we were just like, Okay, this feels good. feels like we're good here. It's, this feels good between us and the Holy Spirit. Let's go eat some chicken now. <laughs> Praise God. We didn't, to, we didn't have to feel the pressure of keeping something going. And and we didn't have to feel the pressure of, well, I just gotta I gotta stay hungry before the Lord. Yeah, we're gonna to stay hungry before the Lord. But we're back here in this house today, hungry for the Lord. And we were here Wednesday night, hungry before the Lord. And what God did on Wednesday night is we there was a teaching at the school of prayer on the on the uh, praying in the Holy Spirit, and we had four people say, Yeah, I want that. I haven't experienced that in my life. When four people got prayed for, for them to receive a prayer language and pray in the Holy Spirit. It's awesome. And we're, not, we're just not trying to keep something going for the sake of something going. And, and, the, and the campus pastor, his name's Doug something? I have no idea. Just an ordinary guy in khakis and, you know, a plaid shirt. And he's just like a normal guy. And he's just like, hey, we want you to just, when you're here, be present. You, you may feel like you want to get your phone out, and that's okay. But, but get it out for a second and then put it away because we want you to be present with what God's doing here in the room. Not just document what, you know, was everybody. Like, don't. And people did have their phones out from time to time. And I pulled my phone out a couple times. And I took a couple videos that I never even posted. Because people weren't doing it so that their video could go viral. And that they could get the likes and the shares and the comments. There just wasn't that about it. And the, the campus pastor said this. He said, You know, God is going to bring attention to this the way that he does it. And it's not through us trying to make something go viral. Like that wasn't their heart. That wasn't their attitude. Like, man, if we can just get out the right content, God can just keep this thing going. No. No, it wasn't that at all. the, the, The attitude in the room was like, just put the phone down. Like, yeah, get it out for a second if you want to. That's fine. But just don't worry about that. Don't worry about the likes and the shares and the comments and the views. Just put it down. Be present with what God's doing here in this place. And I'm telling you what, church, you know, for me, there's a lot of emphasis in the world that I live in as a pastor of like, well, here's how do you grow your church and here's your social media strategy and here's your you know your strategy that you deal with with this thing over here and that thing and you take your church from 200 to 500 and then take, take your church from 500 to 750 and then the next level is 1000 and there's a lot of that in the world that I live in and i just And there's some value to some of those things. There's values to doing things in excellence. There's values to having systems in place that that are good and proven methods. But I want the Spirit of God, I want Seeds Church to be built on the bedrock of the Word and the Spirit. Not the perfectly crafted Facebook ad. Facebook ads are great. It's fine. But it's not a foundation. I want a church who's a word and spirit church. A church who has a humble heart. A church who's persistent in prayer. A church whose hearts are hungry. Hungry for the spirit of God. A church who's like saying, God, if you have it, we need it. Wherever we are out of alignment with you, we repent and we come into alignment with you. I told you this wasn't like the most well-crafted message. I just... Wrote a bunch of things down here. Is it a revival? Is it an outpouring? Is it awakening? Who cares what we call it, right? History will label it something. What we know for certain is that the Spirit of God is doing something special. And he's pouring himself out. And and our response is not to figure out how to label it. Our response is, let's get hungry. They had all of these things present there as soon as you walked in the room you felt it the humility and i'm telling you what we we talk about what god can do amongst the people who are in unity but the way that you get to unity is through the path of humility without humility you don't have unity and without unity we tie god's hands i hate to put it that way because god is sovereign what i guess the best way to put it is is we ignore everything that god wants to do and we've got before we before we get unified we have to have a humble heart if you don't have a humble heart then there's no unity's never going to happen never We've got to be people of humility if we want unity, and once we have unity, God can do something. Acts, remember that? They're all gathered in the upper room in one accord. That's not a Honda. It's talking about they were they were unified in heart in spirit. I want a holy jealousy. Holy jealousy. What does that look like? What does that mean? What do you mean by holy jealousy? Those two words don't seem to go together. Thought we weren't supposed to be jealous. Well, I'm not supposed to be jealous of your new car, but if you've got the Spirit of God doing something in your life, then I want to be jealous of that because I want that. If, God, you can do it there, I want it here. I want it in my heart. I want my heart to be ignited, on fire, alive for you. I want my home to be a place where I've made an altar so that, that your presence can come and rest. So the sacrifices that we bring to you of our selfishness and all these things, these idols that we've made in our life, we pile them on the altar and we burn them up, Lord God, so that you, like, we'll bring the wood, Lord, but you bring the fire. And then once it comes from our heart to our house, it comes to our church. And when we, when this church gets on fire, guys, I don't, you don't have to worry about a church growth strategy. Lord will build the house. So we tarried for three hours there, and then we had to leave, and we got in the car. And we're driving back home, and Jamie's got her phone open over in the passenger seat. And she's like, this is, this is breaking out at Lee University, where our, where our oldest daughter, Jelana, is in school. And, and, and they, they started a, a prayer gathering, and it's just continuing to go. And then we find out there's reports at North Central University in Minneapolis. And then we find out God's doing something at ORU in Tulsa and Trevecca, and at Lipscomb, and here in our own backyard, and in dozens of other college campuses. God's doing something in the generation. And I'm excited for Gen Z, but I'm like, God, that's great. I want you to do something gen for, in Gen Z, but God, in, in your terms, in the scripture, when you say a generation, it's talking about everybody that's alive on the earth right now at one time. Not these subgroups that we've called, like, well, the Boomers, and then Gen X, and then uh, Millennials, and then Gen Z, and then what's next? Alpha, you know? Uh, th- that's all great. That's wonderful for us to understand, like, you know, you know social studies. That's wonderful. But when the Lord says that I, he wants to be known from generation to generation, when he says that generation, he means everyone that's alive on the earth today. So, if God's doing it in Gen Z, He's going to do it with me and do it for you. And I want to just say a few other things here as we start wrapping it up. And I'm gonna, in a few minutes, I'm going to have Charity come and sing prophetically over us. And I want us to, to, to have our faith stirred to say, God, I'm jealous for your spirit. If you can do it for, for them, you can do it for me. One of, the, one of the great strategies of the enemy is to try to, to not, like, get you. Like the enemy's not gonna come to Larry and, and whisper in Larry's ear and go, go rob a bank, Larry. Yeah. Or, uh, Larry, you know, like go to the strip club, Larry. Larry's not gonna do those things. But one of the greatest strategies that the enemy has against us as Christians who we think that, you know, everything's cool between us and the Lord, he tries to get us to be distracted. And he tries to get us to to grow our hunger for other things than the things of God. Like, oh, I'll, I'll still show up every Sunday. I'll still have my family here every Sunday. But my affections and my attention are not on the Lord to the rest of the... The rest of my week, I go and I have this rhythm in my life and this discipline in my life, and I even enjoy it, and I show up here, and I love God, and I love the people of God, and I receive something, and that's great, but I'm distracted through the rest of the week, and not paying attention. I'm not turning aside, and that's probably one of the enemy's greatest strategies in the church is like if he can just get you to grow your hunger for something else besides God, it's like the seed that fell on the ground in the parable of the, of the sower sows the word. And Jesus said there was a seed that fell on the ground of the weeds. And the cares of this life, it, it, those weeds choked out the nutrients from that seed. They distracted the nutrients away that that seed needed, and it distracted it to the weeds. And so the weeds would grow and flourish, but the seed of the word of God never grew and flourished on that ground. Now, you guys know what the ground is? Our hearts. The seed is the word. The ground is our hearts. So if we look at our hearts and say, what environment am I keeping my heart in? Is it it an environment of distraction where it's trying to get me focused on the cares of this life, the cares of this world? If that's the case, it's going to suck the nutrients of your hunger away from the Lord to the things of this world. That's what the enemy wants to do in your life. He wins if he can get you to give attention to all the other things in your life than growing your passion for Jesus. So we, we were talking about like what's one of the ingredients for this? It's holy hunger. And like the centurion that came to the Lord and said, Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. Sometimes we come, have to come to the Lord and say, Jesus, I hunger, but help me where I'm not hungering. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you're like, yeah, I, pff, things of God are great, cool, I love Jesus. But you're like... There's room for more. There's room for more hunger. And the cool thing about spiritual hunger is it's different than physical hunger. When you are physically hungry, you go and you get your, you go to La Siesta and order your chimichanga. Some are like, praise God, that's what we're gonna do today. I was waiting for a sign from the Lord and the pastor gave a, a word of knowledge to us. And you eat that thing and you eat your rice and your beans and the the chips and the salsa and you're full. You're like, oh my gosh, I gotta go home and take a nap. Watch a terrible XFL game on TV. You're like, some of you are like, XFL is back? Anyway. But in the spirit realm, and you're hungry and you feast on God, you get, you don't get filled up and go, oh my gosh, that was good enough. No, you go, I want more. I want more. I'm hungry for more. Bring the, like the waitress comes, would you like an extra basket of chips? No, 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 we're good, we're full. No, I want the extra basket of chips. Keep bringing the chips and sausage, Jesus. Some of y'all are like, well, this is revelation. Are we hungry? Not just for what God can do for us, but just for who he is. I don't want to just come to God and say, "What can you do for me, Santa Claus? I want to not just seek the hand of God, I want to seek the face of God. Why are we seeing an outpouring in Podunk, Wilmore, Kentucky? Because they want him there. We're looking for what the purpose might be in like oh well why? why Wilmore, Kentucky? Because they had a they had a revival there. The seeds of revival were there in the 70s. And then and then even before that. And, and then and there's something, God's doing something that's just, this is a strategic location. But God, I think, is more like, nah, they're just hungry. And I go where I'm hungry. God will pass by a hundred strategic locations to come to the out-of-the-place way where he's wanted. If we could just get a hold of that truth, it would change our lives. God comes where he's wanted. So Jesus, we want you. I want to share with you this quote, and then, and then I'm going to have, finally, I'm going to have Charity come sing. Yeah, get a microphone. Thank you. Pastor Lee Cummings said this a couple days ago, and this is so good. Because this, again, it's reminding us, that like, the pressure's not on us to just, you know, keep something going or conjure something up or hype something up. It's just really about a burning heart before the Lord. He said, revival isn't determined by how long the service goes, but how hot our prayers burn how crowded the prayer meeting is and how far the church's reach will go to give Jesus what he wants most, an inheritance of the lost who become the found. That's revival. You guys, anybody can light a fire. Anybody can light a fire. Some of you are like, really? Because I've had some problems from time to time. Anybody can light a fire. You can just go to Walmart and get the little fire starters and get some lighter fluid and get a little bit of wood chips and throw that down there and then throw a couple logs on. Anybody can do that and get something going. But if you want to build something that burns white hot and it lasts for a long time, it takes tending, it takes attention. It takes not walking away for very long. You got to keep coming back and throw another log on. Not these little twigs that you found laying around on the yard after the wind blows through one night. No, 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 no. Big heavy logs that are going to burn long and hot. That's what we need to be bringing to the altar. Chunks of our life. Say God, I need to just bring you this little piddly stuff, these twigs, this little branch that fell off. God, I bring that to you as a sacrifice. I can sacrifice that. No, God, I'm bringing the big, heavy log before you, and I'm laying that on the altar. And I'm not just bringing that one. I got to go back to the pile, God. We're going to bring this one too. And you, you want a fire? You want a heart? You want your home, this church, to burn white hot for Jesus. And for a long time, we got to keep fueling the fire. And we fuel it not with the little piddly things. We fuel it with the serious, heavy things. God, this is this is yours. I'm gonna stop pretending I'm in control. I'm acknowledging that you have a purpose. You have a plan. I surrendered this to you. I'm bringing the wood. God, you bring the fire. God, you come where you're wanted. I want you. This is a sacrifice. This is an inconvenience. This is going to cost me something. You, when you bring God things that don't really cost you much, those are fires that burn up fast, and they're, they're not hot. Can't even roast a marshmallow over that. What does it count for? All you're left with is like just a little smoldering smoke. No, 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 no. I want white hot, burning for a long time, billows of smoke.